thanks everyone for tuning in again to uh, Selling to Friends. As, as usual, I have my co-host on here, John Simeon. And I actually brought a guest on today, Zatij. Zatij, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? I know you and I have a little bit of a um, experience working together when we were both at AppDynamics, but just want to get a quick introduction from you. Hey, my name is Zatij Shah. I, I have 10 years in sales now, um, seven of those as an SC, and and three years on the dark side now. And, and that's and that's one of the big reasons we brought you on today, Zatij. So what we're hoping for the call today is to really delve a little bit more into your experience. I know you have some experience both um, on the inside and outside and really want to get a, a good understanding of how your sales career has progressed. Um, that includes both things that have worked for you and maybe potential pitfalls that you've hit. And hopefully shed some, you know, give some advice to those listening in today um, to hopefully then go apply to their sales careers. Yeah. yeah. So kind of looking at, at, at first things first, I, I guess, how is it that you initially got into sales? What was that kind of turning point for you where you decided to pursue that career? I graduated with an engineering degree and my first job out of college was to be an engineer for a company that makes fuel bladders for aircraft and I was not the biggest fan of using CAD and actually I, I enjoyed the human interaction portion of that job more than anything and most of that job wasn't interacting with people it was just designing stuff on CAD so um, I started thinking about getting into consulting or uh, consultative sales so I had a few friends at Cisco, and Cisco has a training program called uh, the Cisco Sales Assistant, where they train uh, future account managers and future SEs for a year or two years. And that's the the program I applied to fairly early in my career, and I got in. And that's kind of where my sales career took off. Did you decide to make that pivot because of your interest in more of the, the personalized aspect and engagement with others? Is that what drove you to sales or was there something else that drove you to sales? No, it was, it was definitely being customer facing or, or not necessarily just customer facing, but just um, interacting with people more than just being on the back end. And so I actually wasn't necessarily looking for sales initially. I was looking at consulting roles. Right. Like, you know, with the big four um, consulting firms. Gotcha. I know, I know one of the big challenges for a lot of people entering into the sales world, and this is something that I definitely, uh, did unfortunately, but it, it's going in with, with the mindset of, okay, I need to make as much money as possible. I need to sell as much as I can. And right. that means I just need to hound people until I can get a sale. So right. looking at your, you know, initial career path, pivoting over to something with the focus of being more client facing and really focusing on the personalized aspect. How did you bring, what was kind of your mindset going into that to make sure that you were really focusing on that relationship side versus just entering in and being another person who just pushes a product? Yeah, I mean, pushing a product is easier if you're doing it on the consumer side, I think. Um, business to business sales uh, you can try to do that but i don't think you're i don't think most people are successful doing it that way um, i think being customer focused or just client focused listening to what they want is the only way to do it 
successfully long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I think side helped with that mentality just because when you're an SE, you're not so much focused on, oh, we have to make the sale or whatever. It's more, okay, the client has this requirement and I'm going to come in and help them figure out how to get to that requirement from their current state. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that interaction is very much consultative. It's very, it's, it's very much um, kind of being helpful. You can't, there's no point in just telling them, oh, no, you need to do it this way or you have to do it this way because mm-hmm. for the most part, they know more than you. Yeah. So and, it's more and, just guiding them. Right. And you mentioned the, the Cisco sales program when you joined up with them. Is, was that kind of a driving factor in going with Cisco or, you know, what, what made you pivot to that specific company? Was it a product they offered, you know? <clears throat> Now, Cisco, I, I mean, I've been following since I was in middle school, and I've had friends that are older than me that went to Cisco, so I knew a lot about them. I just, they're a great company to work for. It, that's kind of really where it started. I mean, I, I did do a short stint outside of Cisco, um, and then even App Dynamics, even though it's technically Cisco, it, it's, it's, it's only technically thing. Cisco. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So how did you... I guess kind of dive into that because I know for me, when I was initially considering sales, I was, um, well, prior to considering sales, I thought I was going to go into HR. Uh, John, I know for you, it was, it was marketing or, or potentially finance. Bounced around a lot. At looking at engineering, especially kind of the type of engineering that you were doing, pivoting over to sales, I feel like that's a pretty big jump. Was there a slow progression for you to make sure that, you know, maybe a stage of research, understanding is this something that you're going to go with or was it, really just a dive in head first and figure it out as you go. No, it was definitely a dive in and figure it out as I go. Cause I already knew that I didn't want to do what I was doing. So it was more of a wholesale career change and mm-hmm. that's kind of how it started. Gotcha. And, and I think that that's probably one of the best ways to do it. I, I think there is a lot of people who choose to go into sales right out of college and, you know, they just consume sort of the, typical sales content. I think it's really interesting when we see people who move over from a different career path over into it because it creates a different mindset, a different approach and a different reasoning for being in sales altogether. So once you, you know, brought over, came over to Cisco, it sounds like, you know, between app dynamics where we obviously work together. I know you're now at a different, you know, uh, unit of Cisco where you're focusing more on their collaboration products. So things like WebEx and, uh, video conferencing. Um, as you started progressing through those different teams, what are some some things that you did to really grow, you know, as a sales rep? So I know you have some experience as an outside rep. I know you have some experience as an inside rep. Um, but what are some critical things that you did to to really drive that personalization and genuine approach to selling as you continue to progress through the ranks at Cisco? Uh, versus, you know, many other reps I know who just kind of sit in the same role or content with how they're doing and just never really find ways to. For the most part, that's not just for sales for me. Like I, the way I've progressed is just how I've progressed in my career in general. And I think it's more just how I'm wired when I figure out a role or maybe get to 85% of knowing a role. It, it kind of gets to the point where I'm like, I want a new challenge or I want to try something else. So even Mm -hmm. if it's like 
for example, when I was an FC for seven years, I didn't do the same role. I was in different, I was uh, covering different technologies. Um, I even did a short stint in the channel uh, just to get different experience and have different challenges. And I think right. that helped a lot in terms of when I moved over to the quota carrying side, because I don't want to say to the sales side, because SEs are still sales, right? But when I moved over to the quota carrying side, that was, again, just another progression of, hey, I want more of a challenge. I want more responsibility. I just don't want to do the same thing for like 30 years of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's more uh, about, I want to continue to learn and grow and develop. It's, you get the the boredom or yeah. monotony, right? Well, some yeah, some people that want to do the same role for 20 years, they're still growing and learning. Uh, they're just going very deep into right. whatever they're doing. So they're, they're super experts at, at what they're doing. But for me, it's more once I like an 80% level of knowledge or ability to function in that role effectively, that's when I I just think of it as, hey, I want to try something new. And it's not, you know, if you really think about it, I haven't really moved all that far. I'm still in IT. I still do sales in IT. And and so it's not like we can say that we've moved around a lot, but maybe from the outside, it doesn't look that way at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I know, you know, obviously one of the, the, the big parts of sales or big pieces of sales is making a lot of mistakes, hearing a lot of no's and, you know, getting a lot more rejection than um, yeah. anything else. I, I think one of the big things, you know, is, is focusing on how to continue to improve every time you hit one of those hurdles. So looking at, you know, your history in sales, um, what were some of those initial hurdles that were really tough for you to get over? And, you know, yeah. what, what were the ways that you actually tackled those? When I moved from being an FE to being quota carrying AM, I did that going to a startup. So uh, going from Cisco to a startup was a huge challenge in itself because you don't have any of the resources there. So a lot of it was self-taught. So it was, a ton of mistakes. I did go into it with that mindset too, though, that I, this is my first AM role. I'm going to make some mistakes and embracing that I think helped. It didn't help with stress necessarily, but <laughs> when you go from mostly guaranteed compensation to mostly commission, <laughs> but making those mistakes early on helped uh, helped me realize that it's not the end of the world. And as long as I find what my values are, like values for one is doing right by the customer, um, mm-hmm. that that's always helped me. And, and that's even from my SE days, uh, that's just what I always thought of as, as one of my guiding lights, I guess you could say. Uh, mm-hmm. As long as I stayed true to that, like some of the mistakes I made would be more, tactics based, I would say, or, you know, the, the way that I communicated. So those things I can adjust, uh, how you do cold emails, you can adjust those kinds of things, but mm-hmm. you can't really necessarily adjust if you're always just super aggressive and always just very mean about how you do sales. Like you need to be more consultative about that. And, and you mentioned rejection. And that's one of the things that I've always, or I learned early on is that 
the reason the account manager role gets paid more is because essentially we're being paid to be rejected almost on a constant <laughs> basis. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I, I think you, you touched on a really interesting thing about when you initially started kind of getting into a quota carrying role within a startup, it was obviously challenging because a lot of it, you were figuring it out on your own. Um, that was kind of my experience when I was working for a startup is I was sort of thrown into the sales world. That's ultimately what kicked off my sales career. I know a lot of people today who are working for startups. I know personally, John and I are working on a side project where, you know, coming up with the sales process and, and, and being able to execute on that is something that we're really thinking about right now. So for you, I know you said being really customer focused is a great way to help drive that success. What other, um, you know, parts of kind of diving into sales, what, what other aspects sort of helped you finally come up with a fine tuned approach to be successful, both at, at, in the startup and in the Cisco uh, space beyond just being customer centric? So for one, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily successful yet, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think one of the things that's definitely helped is I, I know that I'm not the expert, like in, in an engineering sense, a lot of times I was considered the expert, even if I didn't feel like I was. Mm -hmm. So I had to play that part a lot of times and, and that was a different approach, but with this type of role i i know that i'm behind most of my peers uh for you for example like you if we just compare sales roles or am type roles then i only have about three years of experience on that versus right. my peers who have a lot more so it makes it easier for me to say hey how do i do this or approach people and and maybe not even I'm, i wouldn't say play dumb but just ask for help when I need it. And mm -hmm. it's okay if I look dumb or silly for asking what might be a basic question. So I'd say that getting, getting that mindset of just reaching out for help definitely is uh, definitely made me a better and say employee and, and salesperson in general. It's checking the ego, right? Not being afraid to say, Hey, I, I'm, might be struggling on X, Y, or Z, right? Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be a struggle. Checking ego, and we're we're all in sales, so everyone has an ego a little bit, right? So, yeah, definitely trying to do that is, is key, but, but it's not easy. <laughs> right. Doesn't come naturally to a lot of, a lot of people in our positions. Right. So I know one of the, the things that you helped me with, Zatish, I know we came into App Dynamics um, kind of around the same time, but I know there was definitely questions that you know I, I had for you. How do you think, as someone who is a little bit further in, into their career, especially in the sales space, you know, having that different experience as an engineer and then also as a quota carrying, how do you um, similarly pass on, like make, make yourself someone who is open to passing on that insight to others? Because... There's, there's definitely reps that I've come across who are just buckled down, clearly not open to helping. They're there to carry their quota. Um, but as you continue to start getting more experience, and I'm sure you'll always right. be asking the most senior member on the team for, for help or advice, how do you also right. similarly make yourself open to um, 
providing similar insight to newer team members? I mean, number one is I just in general, not sales related or anything, like I'm willing to help people if they want help, but I've learned not to try to help people if they don't ask for it necessarily, unless I really see them struggling and say, Hey, are you open to me giving you some advice? But it's really just more, Hey, I have some experience that others don't. And then others have experience that I don't. So if I'm asking people for help, then I need to either help back or pay it forward. And that's mm -hmm. really where it comes from is just, I can't always be taking, I need to be giving. So it's not always going to be, Hey, if I ask person A for help, I might not be able to help them back because they might have like 10, 15 years more experience than I do, right. but I can help someone that's more early in career, or even if they're not early in career, um, if I've been at the company longer or in that role longer, I can help them get up to speed more. And uh, in, in, so I can help that way. So it's either help back or pay it forward. So I think one of the big focuses, you know, obviously for us is, is with, with our podcast is obviously focusing on personalization, both as part of the team, thinking about how you can really collaborate, be genuine with those that you work with, but also, you know, primarily focusing on how you can be genuine with those you're selling to and really turning those people into strong champions. What, what experience have you had on that front? I know you mentioned the importance of being customer centric, but do you have any success stories, you know, over the course of your career where that customer centric approach paid off either, you know, in potential closed opportunity for the business, a potential referral, even a potential new friend, you know, maybe no business came from it. Do you have any, you know, um, experiences like that in your, in your sales career that you're, you're able to share today? Yeah, quite a few. I, and then again, I think it's more just how I'm wired. So I do think that if I was more aggressive, sometimes I might be able to uh, uh, sell more in the short term. But I think in the long term, building those relationships is by being customer centric. So I'll give you one story from early on in my career. And that's when I really realized how effective that can be. And that was from my SE day. So it's my first real field SE role. And we're talking to this company that's uh, a media company. And basically, they had stopped buying Cisco stuff. And mm -hmm. partially, it was, I mean, they were going through a lot of changes and stuff like that. But it was also, they just didn't see the level of customer um, experience, not experience, but, you know, the, the level of customer success, I guess you could say, just people actually caring about their issues kind of thing, right? So. I was taking over for someone who was a 15-year SE at that time. Like They had a bunch of certifications. They knew everything, all the seeds and feeds and everything like that. So they were way more knowledgeable about the product and about the design aspects and everything. And for me, we, I'm coming in, I was super nervous already. I'm taking over for someone that's such an expert. And... Eventually, I got feedback over the few months that we engaged with them that, hey, they really like you, and I couldn't actually figure out why. So eventually, what my manager told me is, look, they just like your approach. They like the fact that you're not a know-it-all, um, <laughs> partially because I didn't know it all. But uh, it, it was always like, hey, I know this. Let me help you here. But they would ask me a ton of stuff that I didn't know. So 
oh, I would say, well, I don't know. Let me go find out for you. And then I'd go find out. And that was when I learned that it's really about the follow-up and not so much about knowing what you know, because it, it doesn't matter if you know everything um, because it's, it's really about, you're not going to be able to do everything yourself. There's going to be certain things that you have to reach out to other departments for, or a manager is going to have to help you because they have the access permissions that they need or whatever it is. Um, and, and that's, that made a huge impression on me early on in my career. And that's where like we turned that account around from being kind of a dormant account to then finally going back to buying more Cisco gear. And, uh, and I think that relationship kind of, I really like that call it about the follow-up uh, yeah. piece being most critical because you think about it is everyone today with access to Google, which is the majority of people are BS proof. So if you try to tell them right. something that's false, which is what a lot of salespeople will do, they'll over promise. The customer is going to be pretty aware, even if they end up purchasing within the first 30 days that that rep was full of it. Right. Or they may know before that because they can simply look it up on the They can figure website. it out themselves, right. So I think that's an awesome call out about the piece, you know, the importance being follow up and, and not necessarily knowing everything, especially in the IT space. You know, I, I've been selling out dynamics now for, you know, a year and a half and I still have new, <laughs> barely any clue what I'm talking about, but that's the reason we have assistance. I mean, the whole, the whole idea of having, you know, a sales engineer to support you and a leadership team to support you is because the expectation should not be there that, that, you know, everything. So no, I, I think that's an, an awesome call out. And another piece that I, that I really liked about that was the, um, say I'll go figure that out for you and then going and doing it, especially in a timely manner, right? Because right. there were reps that I would work with and, you know, through coaching at my current company and some previous ones I worked at, explaining to them exactly what you said. Hey, if you don't know something, don't be afraid you, to look, you know, you, you don't look stupid. You look honest and right. tell them you don't know it, go figure it out. And so people would do that. And then, you know, but it's two, three, four weeks later, you call somebody back and they're like, you know, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Right. And I think, I mean, kind of building on that, um, I know we're almost at time here, but to, to, to build on, on that point, that's a great piece of advice, I think, of a thing to do is to make sure that you are involving those, you know, the, the people on your team and, and utilizing your resources and acknowledging. Centers. Right. And um, I think that's a great piece of advice of things to do. What what would you say is probably the biggest mistake? So the fun the fun conversation is reflecting on mistakes we've made. But but what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in your career that you you know wish you had avoided, or you know even just something that has defined you as as something that hey you know I know it now I'm never going to do that again. But what yeah. what would you say that what would, do you have an example of that being an yeah. engineer? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually one of the great things that I've done. I would say letting others affect my style of how I communicate. And that's the best way to boil it down. So uh, really letting managers or whoever, other stakeholders in the sale pressure, allowing that pressure, there's always going to be that pressure because that's their job. But allowing that pressure to affect me and how I communicate with my customer or my potential customer, I should say, it's probably been the biggest mistake and it's one of the things that I've learned to try to hold off on and, and not do because I know 
I know more about the customer because I interact with them on a regular basis versus management or whomever other stakeholders in, in that sales process don't necessarily, right? So that was probably the biggest mistake I've made is allowing that pressure to affect me and affect how I communicate with, with, with the customer. And, and how did you, how did you find that balance? Um, because I, I think it's really critical. I mean, the whole reason that, that a manager should hire an individual is not just because of their potential to meet the quota, but the uniqueness that they'll bring to the team and the creativity that they'll hopefully add. And, and that's especially crit- critical in enterprise sales. So considering, you know, you being in a quota carrying role, but also you wanting to focus on really driving value for the customer and creating a great experience for them. How did you, how did you find that balance to be effective in both fronts? I, I think I'm still trying to find that balance, but it's getting easier and easier as time goes by to find that balance. I, I, yeah, to be fair to your question, I don't, I don't know that I've necessarily found that balance because the way we're compensated is one thing. And then sometimes that could go against what the customer needs or what, what, what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So it, having that, yeah, finding that balance, is, that's a good call out. You need to figure out what your balance is and how, how much you're willing to sell your soul to go one way or, or <laughs> not. Or not. And you can't be altruistic either and giving stuff away all the time either because then you're not going to be in that role for too much longer. Right? Right. So it, yeah, I, I would say that I haven't found that balance, but it is a good call out that uh, finding that balance is pretty important. Right. Right. I think it's well, a moving target too, right? That balance yeah, is going to change yeah, constantly. On a, on a yearly basis based on what your comp plan is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap it there. Uh, thanks, Atish, for, for joining in today. Um, you know, we, we really, you know, enjoy having these conversations around sales, especially as a lot more people are working remote. I know these sort of dialogues are not forefront of people's minds, especially with, you know, colleagues, past colleagues, people in their network. So, you know, really thanks again for, for joining in, having this conversation. I know you're excited for us to, to post it. I know you love it when people share stuff <laughs> with you on LinkedIn, but thanks again, Zatish. Thanks to everyone who listened in. Um, definitely keep expecting more episodes from John and I. 